eight cinematic camera angles and techniques for epic aerial filmmaking with a drone, our opinions on the best laptop options for video editing and content creation. Let's answer listener questions on this edition of the DV Show. Podcasting the ins and outs of digital video. Digital, digital video. video. This, this is the DV Show. <laughs> the DV Show. Hey, hey, welcome to this live edition of the DV Show Podcast. My name is Brian. Thanks for joining us live while we record this podcast. We're here every single night, Sunday from 8 o'clock p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We record the live show. Then afterwards, we have a producer's huddle where you can come in and join us and talk with us. Talk with other listeners as well and what's going on in your world, what's happening in the digital video world, what's happening all over the planet. Speaking of all over the planet this week, lots of stuff going on, especially at the dvshow.com. Mojocom was happening in Ireland, and uh, that was happening this week. It's a leading international media conference focusing on mobile journalism, mobile content creation, mobile photography, and new technology all in one event. Mojocon is really cool. We got turned on uh, by it from our friends over at Teradek, which provides us this live-to-air software that does the switching for us. They said, hey, check it out. And we did and got caught up with it on Twitter, on Facebook. We went to their website, and it's just amazing, the new technology that's being presented, especially for journalists. So we came up with this question on the dvshow.com called Mobile Studio Essentials, Three iPhones and an iPad. Steve asked us a question. He's a video journalist. He wanted to know how to produce a three-camera daily report from a studio inviting guests, state officials, and he wanted ideas on equipment. So we went right ahead and uh, saw this article on this great website, and we linked up to it on the dvshow.com. Rob Montgomery actually got into his setup into the heart of his small studio on a recent Periscope broadcast, and we put it up on the dvshow.com. It looks absolutely great what he did, so you want to check that out on our website. Also, uh, we added uh, another thing called Essential, another post called Essential Equipment Food Videos. And this is a series I think we're going to start because we get a lot of questions from listeners on what type of equipment is good for this? What type of equipment should I need as, should I have as a wedding videographer, a commercial videographer, an aerial videographer, uh, shoot commercial videos, underwater videos, sky videos. So we're going to start a um, brand new series called Essential Equipment, and we're going to get into it. So we did it with food videos, and we did it with a mobile studio. Equipment Essentials, check it out on the dvshow.com. Also, what's happening on our website, 20-plus rogue plugins and tools for Final Cut Pro X. Now, we did this post years ago when Final Cut Pro X just came out, when everyone was upset and uh, didn't have much flexibility, so we had these rogue plugins, and we added some. Now that Tim Dashwood, founder of 11 Motion Pictures and uh, founder of Stereo 3D Unlimited in Toronto, since he's joined Apple, all of his plugins for Final Cut Pro X are free and they're well worth over $1,000 and they can now be downloaded on the dvshow.com. Check out that uh, post. I would keep up to date if I was you because we're constantly updating our website. There's a newsletter that we deliver, opt in or opt out. If you don't like it, that's fine. Come on in and just check out what we're doing. 
go to our website to subscribe to that. You can also get social with us on Twitter, Facebook, and of course, you can find us on Instagram. I want to give a shout out to all of the excellent premium subscribers who hopped back on board. Thank you very much for coming out back. We made a promise a while ago about a lifetime membership, and we mean it. Lifetime membership is lifetime membership. We're going to stick to it, and we hope you do too. So if you're watching this podcast or watching this vidcast, whatever you're doing, and you were once a premium subscriber, I'm personally inviting you to hop back on board. You are still in our database as inactive, but we want to make you active again. And all you have to do is send me an email Brian at the dvshow.com, and you will be active again and benefit from the services that we offered you. Now, we're not charging you a dime. We're not asking you for any money, no additional subscription fees. Just send me an email, and your premium account is active again for free forever. <laughs> Username and password will be sent to you for immediate access. So come on in. We want you back. Let's have this relationship. We said... Lifetime membership, lifetime membership, we mean it. Thanks for listening, watching throughout the years. Looking forward to serving you again in the years ahead. And I think we're starting it off really well. And thanks to you for that. Now, if you're new to the DV Show podcast, don't worry. I mean, I'm, I'm broadcasting from my home office, which is my home. This is my office. You, you don't even know the stuff that's on the floor and on my desk. I'm not going to show you any of that, but in future shows, we will get more serious. But for now, we're recording the podcast, and you can watch us do that online, live, every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We answer questions related to digital video. You can visit us on our website. I'm going to keep saying our website, our website, our website, because we want you there. We want to see you there. Ask us questions. We want to learn just as much as you do, and we've learned a lot over the years. You've got a lot of experience in front of you. I went to school for video production technology. I have a degree in communications. I know what I'm talking about, and I have a lot of experience, and I'm not a know-it-all. So come on board, ask us a question, and let's uh, get down to it together, because video production is not the easiest thing in the world, and sometimes it's really stressful. So we answer questions. Ask us you can do it by email, you can call us on the phone, or you can just uh, you know, send us a video if you want of your question, and we'll post it here on the podcast. Now, speaking of questions, we have a few of them today, which are great, and so we will take the first one coming from email. I can fly a drone. Now I need to know what kinds of creative shots to take. Any Ooh. techniques to share? Oh, yeah. Tons and tons and tons of techniques to share. I mean, drone video production is a whole new world. Doing more research on this and hanging around guys who actually have the DJI Phantom 4, the 3, and the Mavic, they speak a different language than I do. Uh, all of their shots are different. They're, they're called different. <laughs> you know, pan and zoom isn't a pan and zoom. It's a, you know, this big terminology. So I, I kind of went to drone film school to bring you this answer. And Tom's Tech Time has a great video which really covers all of these shots that aerial videographers do. And it's again, it's a different language. So we're going to leave it to Tom to show us what it's all about. So here are eight epic, creative techniques that you can apply to your videos if you are a drone videographer. So here's number one. It's called the unveiling shot. The 
The unveiling shot is a powerful opener. You can introduce the audience to new scenery and create tension. Filming an unveiling shot is easy. You need to have a fore and a background layer. You start flying low and smoothly raise the drone's height until the back layer unfolds. And by filming with at least two layers, we prevent the clip from looking boring as the image builds up and is not already visible at the very first frame. The unveiling shot is my favorite opener to either a new scenery or to a complete new film. Well, you gotta have that. You have to have that shot. Okay, so shot number two. Is the lookup shot. The lookup shot is a great alternative to the unveiling shot. If your project shows several locations, you can mix both openers. And filming the lookup shot is easy again. The camera points all the way down to the ground, and while you fly the drone either forwards or backwards, you can now smoothly tilt the camera up. Love this shot. Absolutely love it. Look how beautiful that is. And of course there are other variations, such as shown right now, that allow you to use the lookup shot within a scene, not only at the beginning, for example, to keep an object in the center of the frame by flying forwards or backwards and tilting the gimbal only. Beautiful. Okay, so another shot is the pullback shot. The pullback shot might be the most powerful shot for every aerial film project. You can use it over and over again if you only add a few other shots of course. Contrary to a normal forward flight, we can again create excitement because the scenery is not visible at the first frame. And next to that flying backwards prevents the propellers from showing up in the upper segment of the footage. And how to perform a pullback shot? You simply fly the drone backwards and that's basically it. And if you want to enhance the shot, check if you can fly backwards and close to the ground or to objects at the very same time, but please pay some extra attention when flying low. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see the video that we have, so you can go to our website and check it out. It's in the archives. Beautiful video. Okay, here's another shot called the head overshot. No aerial film should be ever missing the head over shot. Most drone owners have performed one probably, but there are two techniques that really enhance your aerial films and make them look professional. Let me briefly introduce them. Filming the first variation is easy. You first hover over the center of an exciting looking ground. You then raise the drone's height and slowly rotate it meanwhile. Done. A great shot your audience will love for sure. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. And again, I hope you can see this video if you're listening to the podcast. This is actually a live video that we're showing on the vidcast version of our podcast. And the the second is. variation makes you fly your drone forwards or backwards while following a clear path at the ground, for example a street as shown in the test footage of mine. Fly smoothly and especially slowly to create cinematic shots that will look like film. Never ever rush when it comes to head over shots. Never ever rush. Good stuff. Okay, another shot that he's going to get into here is called the cam crane shot. The cam crane shot is easy but powerful. It basically imitates the movement of a real big camera crane. 
An ideal shot contains out of a 4 and a background. You slowly raise the drone's height while smoothly tilting the camera down. Of course we can get way higher than with a basic camera crane, but keep in mind that we want our composition to look like film we're used to. Fly conservative and slowly and you'll achieve great results. He really stresses flying conservatively and slowly for best results, which obviously is a good tip. Okay, another shot he's getting into here on the video is course lock shot. The course lock shot is named after an intelligent flight mode that can be chosen with all DJI drones. It allows you to fly straight lines while rotating the drone and camera. That way you can pass by any object and keep it in the center of the frame. It's a must for every passionate drone filmmaker. A link pointing at my course lock tutorial can be found in the video description below. And we'll put a link to our show notes on that. So you can check it out. Okay, another shot he's talking about is called the slider shot. The slider shot imitates a movement we all know from real films. We're trying to film a dolly shot with our drone. A clear fore and background is a must to visualize the motion. We fly really slowly and as close as possible to the foreground. That way the composition looks a lot more exciting and we add depth. You can either keep things conservative and only imitate a normal dolly, or you can add some drone-like movements by for example changing the altitude in flight. That is completely up to you. Gorgeous stuff. Okay, here's another shot he's going to get into, called the tripod shot. The tripod shot can be performed easily. You hover steadily and smoothly rotate the drone in air. That's it already. Did you know the DJI Mavic Pro features a tripod mode for slow and really precise rotations? Check it out if you haven't already. A product link can be found in the video description below. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, and I think that's all of his shots, which is great. I mean, that's uh, hopefully that answers your question. We'll put a link to the things that he's talking about in our show notes as well. And we'll put that full video in there so you can take a look at what he's actually talking about. We cut it down for time's sake for the podcast. All right, let's answer another question related to digital video. And this time again, it's coming from email. Ben asks, is the MacBook Pro with touch bar right for video editors? Is the 15-inch MacBook Pro cut out to be my next professional work laptop? Should I wait for the 2017 MacBook Pro? I love this question. What's the best laptop or video editing is basically what it boils down to. And it's a popular one. And my question it will change a year from now, but let's get into 2017, 2016. Now, there are more reviewers saying good things about the new MacBook Pro, but few of them are actually using the laptops with a 4K editing workflow in mind. Now, using these as machines for day-to-day -day office tasks, photo, and 1080p video, they probably perform remarkably well, and the build quality and simplicity is beautiful and enjoyable. Now, for me personally, I've seen people working on the new MacBook, and uh, I notice that it's really fast. I have a friend who reports using the MacBook Pro with the new version of Final Cut Pro X and cutting 5K ProRes material, and he says it's buttery smooth. Now, he does caution that if you're running software with old code, which doesn't utilize the hardware well, you're not going to get great performance, which is typical. 
Now, for other users, the most common complaint are lack of ports and power compared to rival computers. For example, you can get only up to 16 megabytes of RAM. I'm sorry, 16 gigabytes of RAM, while many are asking for 32 gigabytes of RAM. The MacBook Pro is also has one type of port called the Thunderbolt 3, which makes it tough for those who need SD card slots or HDMI ports to connect their external monitors. Many professionals are still using these USB-A and Thunderbolt 2 peripherals, leaving them no choice but to buy adapters when they get the new Pro. Now, the computer is also missing a SD card slot, which I mentioned, and even a native HDMI port, which is uh, potentially demanding more use of an external adapter or an adapter. Some say importing video and overall performance was fast and fluid. Updated speakers are great when editing. The sound is richer than the older MacBooks which with deeper lows and less of that teeny sound some are reporting. Now, the touch bar. This is a, a, a point where there's a lot of love and hate relationship with this touch bar. You can do volume adjustment on it, keyboard shortcuts. You can look at some options when you edit, and some people just don't really like that. Now, in my opinion, it gives you better overall control, and it makes you more productive. I mean, touching a button instead of going through a few clicks, keyboard shortcuts are helpful. Now, let's not just get into the MacBook Pro. It's not really one of the best computer laptops out there to edit video on. I mean, it all depends on your workflow, how much video you have, what type of video you're editing. So we're going to get another opinion from David Lee, and he's from Dave2D, and he doesn't really focus on the MacBook. He does it in this video, but he focuses on other videos as well, uh, other laptops as well. So let's check out what he has to say. First up, XPS 15. This is the device that I used for most of 2016. I wanna say like 80% of my videos from last year were done on the XPS 15, the older version, this is the newer one. My favorite features, the 4K screen, extremely color accurate, and the thin bezels are nice. I also like that you can stick 32 gigs of RAM in here, and the battery life is also good. It's an easy seven or eight hours on this thing. The things I don't like, the speakers are not very good. They're in a bad position, and they're small. It also only has three USB ports, one of them being Thunderbolt 3. I would occasionally run out of ports when I had a lot of like drives and stuff connected to it, but overall, really good performance, really good device. Next is the Razer Blade. This is the KB Lake model running a GTX 1060. It's really similar to the Skylake, it's just a little bit more efficient. So obviously one of the big advantages of the Razer Blade is the GTX 1060 in a relatively thin and light chassis, and that makes it pretty unique. But one of the things that I recently started doing was customizing keyboard shortcuts. So in Premiere, I bind things for video editing, like zooming in and out. Instead of the plus and minus keys, or even using the mouse scroll, I'll bind it to three and four, so I can just do it with one hand. And this isn't just for Premiere, you can do this with most applications. But recently, I tried changing the colors of my keys to the shortcuts. And because it has individual RGB for each key, I really like it. And when you're done, you can switch the profile back to normal. I don't like that the RAM on this is soldered on. I'd love to get 32 gigs on this, but I'm stuck at 16. And fan noise can get loud. The KB Lake model runs a little bit quieter than the Skylake model. Like the fans don't come on as readily. It's just a more efficient chip, but it's a GTX 1060 in there. When you're doing heavy stuff, fans kick in, it's gonna be loud. Okay, the third thing in this mix is the 2016 MacBook Pro. I have like a love-hate relationship with this thing. It looks awesome and pricing has improved quite <laughs> a bit because it's now in the Apple refurbished store. Things I like about it. I like the build quality, I think it's phenomenal. Speakers are amazing. I can edit videos right off of these speakers. Screen is really good. Keyboard is, well, everyone's a little bit different. Some people hate it, some people love it. My personal experience, 
I like it. I legitimately like it, but everyone's gonna be different. Some people are just gonna hate this thing forever. That's okay. The touch bar is whatever. At this point, I think it's a gimmick. I never use it. Oh, I also that don't touch. love the port situation mm. and the graphics chip in here, the Radeon Pro 460. For the right application, it's good. Like if you're a Final Cut user, it's perfect. But if you're an Adobe user and I'm an Adobe user, it doesn't really perform that well. And for most people who are on a tighter budget but really want to get a Mac for content creation, I would steer them towards the 2015 model. You can get some really good pricing on this and they're just almost identical in performance to the new model. In case you're wondering, all these laptops have skins on them. They're like a marble skin. If you're interested in picking one up, there's a link in the video description. Now, none of these are cheap, and I need to stress the fact that you totally don't need equipment like this to make really good content. Like these are expensive, but the way I see it is this. If you can get equipment that speeds up your workflow, it just makes the whole content creation process that much better. That One of the sense. reasons why these are so expensive, aside from being thin and light machines, is because the screens are really good quality. They're color accurate and bright, and the Razer Blade has an updated 4K panel that's coming out soon. Okay, I want to briefly talk about performance. Last year, most of my content was shot on a 4K camera called the Panasonic GH4. This year, most of my stuff is shot on a 5K camera called the Scarlett W. Now, in general, it's just bigger files, higher resolution files, so editing that stuff takes a little more horsepower. The GTX 1060 on the razor blade doesn't make a huge difference for 4K content over the 1050. But when you go to higher resolution files, the difference is more noticeable. The biggest difference though, comes from switching from Nvidia graphics to the AMD graphics, which you find on MacBooks. Adobe Premiere performs much better on Nvidia chips because of the CUDA cores. AMD chips, like the ones in current MacBooks, use OpenCL or Metal to Render. The short of it is this, if you use Adobe Premiere, you're gonna get way better performance with Nvidia chips. But if you use Final Cut, those AMD chips are great. Now, I use Adobe Premiere, but the only reason why I use it is because that's just what I learned on. Any of the editing programs are great. If you look at the render times, like some people will really fixate on this and think that Final Cut is the better program because it renders faster. It does, but really when you make a video, some of these are like 20 hour jobs. Who cares if you wait an extra five or 10 minutes? It's really not a big deal. Any one of the editing programs are great, including the ones that I've never even heard of or used. If they exist on the market, you can make YouTube videos really well with them. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. Thumbs if you liked it, subs if you loved it. I'll see you guys next time. Awesome information. Thank you, David, for giving us that. Well, I hope that uh, answers your question there on the best laptop video editing. We'll put more information in the show notes, including a full video to that, a uh, full link to that video in the podcast. And if you're watching us live, thank you very much. This concludes another edition of the DB Show podcast. Please check us out online at thedbshow.com. We want to see you come there. We're constantly updating it with new information. If you don't have time to visit, subscribe to our newsletter or just uh, get social with us. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. Check us out. <laughs> we want to see you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Tutorials and to get your video questions answered, visit thedvshow.com. Stay on the cutting edge with The DV Show.